Want to learn the three power habits that will change your life? Well, that's our topic today on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. They will affect your marriage, affect your health, affect your finances, because they have with them a promise of God's favor or God's reward. Welcome to the new Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Mark is the president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd. We're learning what it really means to be fully devoted to God, and that's the title of our series. This weekend, we're going to be learning about three power habits that will change your life. If you've missed any of the messages in this series, you can catch up online at boldstepsweekend.org. And while you're there, be sure to request Mark's free email devotional, The Bold Stepper Weekly. It's delivered every Monday right to your inbox. We've made signing up quick and easy. But right now, let's get started with today's message. Taking us to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, here's Mark Job. How many of you know that habits are hard to build and hard to break? How about it? Anybody here ever had a hard habit to break? Yeah, there's all kinds of habits. You know, some people bite their nails, and they just, they don't want to do it. They can't get away from it. I heard that people put, like, a hot pepper spray on it just so that when they put it in their mouth, they don't want to bite their nails. Um, other people have cuss words that they just just grew up saying and they just just pops out at the most inconvenient times and you just say I don't want to say it I don't want to say it but you say it you're like I'm going to break that habit Uh, some of you have habits about health that you're trying to break some bad habits habits are hard to break and they're hard to create if these three habits that I was that I'm about to talk to you about were easy to create then we would all be doing them but they are difficult to create, and I'm challenging you at the beginning that you would pay special attention to these three habits because they happen to be the three habits that Jesus talks about in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 6. I call it the power trio. I don't know if we have in the house any triathlon uh, competitors. Anybody here done a triathlon before? Yeah, okay, we have at least one. Anybody else? Yeah, okay, one over here. A couple people that have thought about it. How many of you have thought about it? Yeah, we got a lot of thought about it's in here, but only a couple of people that have done it. So here's the thing about a triathlon. I've never done one, but I've had friends that have done triathlons. And so there's three primary disciplines in a triathlon. You have to learn to swim well, You have to learn to cycle and then run. And so if you're going to win a triathlon or compete well in a triathlon, you have to prepare yourself in swimming, prepare yourself in cycling, and prepare yourself in running. Three disciplines lead to one victory. Only if you master all three. You may be a great runner but a lousy swimmer, and you'll never win a triathlon. You may be a great swimmer, but a lousy runner, and you'll never win a triathlon. But if you're able to master all three, then it leads to one significant victory. Jesus is telling us in this passage about three disciplines 
that when combined together can create an extraordinary, powerful impact, not only in our spiritual life, but on every realm of our life. If you go to Matthew chapter 6, which is primarily known for the chapter in which the Lord gives us the Lord's Prayer, or what we refer to as the Our Father, you'll see three disciplines that he refers to. In verse 2, he says, when you give. In verse 5, he says, and when you pray. In verse 16, he says, and when you fast. He gives a paragraph to giving, a paragraph to praying, and a paragraph to fasting. Yet, now you may think that these are merely spiritual disciplines, but the way that Jesus presents it is that these are disciplines that actually overflow into every area of your life. They will affect your marriage, affect your health, affect your finances, affect your mental state, affect your well-being, because they have with them a promise of God's favor or God's reward. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The first thing I want you to see about this is that God expects these disciplines in our life. He expects it. He doesn't say, if you give, if you pray, if you fast. He says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. In other words, the implication is that if you are a follower of Jesus, these are sort of natural expectations that you will engage in. These aren't for the super powerful, extraordinary people. This is not for a one-time event in your life. These are regular habits that disciples of Jesus engage in. And he, in this passage, he, he tells us about these habits. And I, I was thinking about these habits, and I thought to myself, they're hard because they hit at areas that we tend to cling to areas that we don't want to give up. Giving touches our money. Praying touches our time. And fasting touches our food. Some of you are like, Pastor, I can give, I can pray, but the fa fasting? I mean, come on. Some of you are hyper-possessive about your food. Admit it. Last time you went to Rickle Benny's, your husband reached over and said, I don't want fries. And then he reaches over and tries to pull a fry out of your fry bag. And you say, hold on, that's my fry. If you wanted fries, why didn't you order your own fries? Don't touch my fries. How many of you know what I'm talking about here? How many of you have people around you that always want to mess with your food? And you're like, hey, get your own fries. Your wife says, no, 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 I'm watching my diet. I'm not going to. And then she always wants a piece of yours and another piece. And, oh, that's good. And you're like, hold on. <laughs> Jesus talks about giving, praying, and fasting that affect our money, our time, and our food. Each of those things are hard to let go of. They're areas that we tend to want to cling to. They're areas that are difficult to release, but yet they have a powerful repercussion in our lives when we learn how to manage them well. If it were easy to give away, we would be giving it away. And for example, he talks about giving. 
You know, the Bible is, talks a lot about the topic of giving. And I believe, I happen to believe that we as believers should be some of the most generous people in the world. I believe that if our father owns a cattle on a thousand hills and our father has all the uh, wealth in the world, that we know that our God supplies and so therefore we also need to be generous and it needs to flow out of us, not just at offering times on Sunday morning, but in our life in general, I believe generosity should characterize the believer. Can I tell you this church is here because when we were 20 people, and had very little money and very little resources and were meeting in a rundown building and uh, no staff besides me who was paid part-time and a building that was creaking and falling apart and no worship team. And when we got together, we made a determination. We may have needs, but we refuse to be needy. So we will not act like we're the needy people we will start giving and releasing even though we don't have a lot to release and give. When we were that small, we decided we were going to give to missions and support missions in Africa and other people. And I'll never forget someone come on up to me and say, Pastor, we are the mission field. We can't be given to orphans in Africa. Look at us, Pastor. And I, I sat down with a couple of people and said, hey, hold on a second. Have you ever been to Africa? No. Well, then you may think that you're the needy because you've never been to Africa and you've never seen how people live in Africa. But I'm going to tell you something. There are people that are much, 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 much needier than you are around the world. So, so never take on a need mentality. You may be a single mother here right now just living paycheck to paycheck, wondering how you're even going to pay your mortgage. Listen, and, and I understand that's a challenge to live in that world, but I want to tell you something. Never take on a needs mentality. Never view yourself as I'm the needy person. I have nothing to give. I'm just living, living from paycheck to paycheck. The moment that you embrace that mentality, the moment you start living in that world is the moment that you will feel like I have nothing to give to others. I have no time, energy, love, generosity, food, uh, uh, sympathy to give to others, and you begin to lose what you have when you begin to develop a need mentality. You need to understand, hey, I may have needs, but I will never, never, never live like a needy person. Amen? <laughs> Jesus said, given it will be given to you, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Prayer. Prayer is hard because prayer requires us to give of our time, and more than our time, it requires a humility about our approach to God. Prayer causes you to say to God, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, which means holy is your name. You're declaring that God is high and you are low. When you pray, you are declaring that you need God. When you pray, you are saying, I can't do this without you, God. 
I need a force and a power that's greater than me to intercede in my affairs because I, I need you to do what I cannot do, God. Prayer causes you to humble yourself. Prayer causes you to admit that you don't have all the answers. Prayer causes you to bow yourself before the King of Kings and acknowledge I'm in a position subservient to you and oh God I desperately need you it hits at our pride and it hits at our time let me tell you if you are here today and you don't know how to pray and you don't pray it's because you haven't understood really how much you need God what's keeping you away from that is either your pride your self-sufficiency your self-confidence and a lack of understanding how big God is and how small you are You're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job, and this is Bold Steps Weekend. We've just barely touched on these power habits, and we'll jump back into the second half of today's message in just a moment. Well, coming up next May, Mark and Dr. Michael Radelnik will be journeying through the Holy Land, and they'd love for you to join them. Spend the day walking around the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus spent most of his ministry years. Sail upon the crisp blue waters where he calmed the storm. It will certainly be a trip to remember. And you can register for this messianic journey online at boldstepsweekend.org. Now, let's pick up with the second half of today's message, Power Habit. Once again, here's Mark Job. When I sat down with a married couple that desperately needs counseling, marital counseling, and I talked to the guy, hey, how come you're not going to marital counseling? I don't know. She needs it. I don't. Here's what I know, pride. You don't want to admit that you have problems that you can't solve yourself. You don't want to admit that you need counsel from someone else. You don't want to admit that you need a third party to walk you through things. You're too proud to admit that. Prayer is the same way. The people that pray are people that are humble. It humbles us to pray. It brings us to our knees. It causes us to stand. When I pray, I acknowledge I'm standing as a small, finite being before the awesome, omnipotent, grandiose God of the universe who has all power and all might when I don't, who has all the answers and I don't, who has all the miraculous power and I don't, who can open all the doors and I can't, who is everywhere all the time, and I'm not. I'm bowing myself before that God, acknowledging how awesome he is and how much I need him. And Jesus said, when you pray, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually. You say, well, Pastor, I, I, I don't know how to pray. If you gave me a prayer to read, I would be able to read it. No, I don't want you to read a prayer. I want you to pray. It's like me saying, hey, I don't know how to talk to my wife. If you give me a poem to read to her, I'll read her a poem every day and repeat it multiple times and hope she's happy. No, she's not going to be happy. I don't need to learn a poem. I need to learn to talk with her and communicate with her. You don't need to learn the, the Our Father. 
You need to learn how to talk to your father. You need to learn how to communicate to him. And some of you don't know how to pray because you're not that close to God. And it's almost like, hey, God, it's me. Well, you probably already knew that. You need to learn how to pray like a father and a son communicate together because that's the kind of relationship that God wants with you. Not a rehearsed prayer, not an awkward, silent prayer, but a father-to-son, daughter-to-father conversation where you stand before the creator of the universe and you converse and bring it in, and it's an ongoing conversation that you have with God because that's what, how God wants us to learn how to pray, the discipline and the habit of prayer. And then the third discipline is the discipline of fasting. Now, I have to say, if these were easy again, we would be doing them. Fasting is the forgotten habit or spiritual discipline of the church. It's a almost like an ancient practice, like, yeah, didn't people, the old saints do that? Didn't Jesus do that? The disciples do that? But we don't really do that. I mean, some of you told me, yeah, I come from a tradition. I used to fast before Easter. And really? Yeah, you would tell, tell me, every Friday I would fast. Tell me about your fasting. Yeah, well, I wouldn't eat meat. Well, would you eat? Well, yeah. Where would you go? to Long John Silver's and eat all the fish I could eat. Hey, you're not fasting. You're changing diets. Fasting is one of those disciplines that puts your prayer life on turbo, that every significant event in Scripture seems to be preceded by fasting and prayer. Jesus fasted in prayer 40 days before he, his ministry went public. Moses fasted 40 days before he received the Ten Commandments. Elijah fasted 40 days before he went into the cave. Uh, we see over and over, place after place, event after event, people fasting for the purpose of praying so that God could move in extraordinary ways. Jesus was once approached about it because the disciples of John the baptizer were fasting, but the disciples of Jesus were not fasting. And so some people came to Jesus and they said, hey, how come your disciples don't fast? But the disciples of John the baptizer, they fast. And Jesus said, they can't fast while the bridegroom is with them because Jesus was still with them. He said, but the day will come well." The bridegroom, I will be taken away, and then they will fast. We live in that day and age between the leaving of Christ and the coming of Christ. And so we live in a time and an age where we are called upon to fast and pray. So the first word I want you to write down is God, God expects, God expects. Secondly, not only does God expect, but God sees my giving, my praying, and my fasting. Notice in verse 1, it's not just that you engage in these habits, it's the motivation behind your engagement in these habits. Verse 1 says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, 
you will have no reward from your Father that is in heaven. The word reward is used seven times in this passage. Give, there's a reward. Pray, there's a reward. Fast, there's a reward. But he also says, be careful. Do you know that you can fast, pray, and give, and lose your spiritual or heavenly reward? And then Jesus goes on and tells us how we lose a reward. Now, no one likes to, no one likes to engage in a discipline. Typically, disciplines are difficult. But we engage in disciplines because we know that at the end of this discipline, something good is coming. Uh, someone goes to college and they engage in the discipline of study and doing midterm examinations and papers that they have to go through, not because they enjoy homework, but because they know at the end they're going to receive a degree, and that degree will facilitate job opportunities in the future. So they go through the discipline because they know there's a reward at the end. Some of you here get up and go to the gym at 6 in the morning. You get on that Stairmaster. You hate that Stairmaster. Because it makes you sweat, hurt, you get up, you don't want to, you get out of bed, it's cold, you don't want to get in, into the, you get in the car, you don't want to do it, but you do it, and every morning you faithfully do that, and you get in that Stairmaster, you sweat, and you ask yourself, why am I doing this, why am I doing this, and you remind yourself, this summer, I want to fit into that nice dress that I bought in faith, believing I'd fit into it. There's a reward at the end. And it is so with our spiritual disciplines. We fast, we pray, we give, not because it's easy, but because we know at the end the favor of God or the reward of God is coming in our direction. And so this passage says don't lose the reward because it tells us that if you're not careful, you could lose the reward of giving. If you're not careful, you could lose the reward of praying or you could lose the reward of giving. Notice what he says in verse 2. He says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. And he goes on to say, But when you give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In essence, what he's saying is that if you give simply so that others will think you're spiritual, then you received your reward. But if you give driven out of God opportunities, because you feel like God is calling you to give and you want the favor of God, then you will receive your reward. Learning more about the favor of God. We're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job on our newest program, Bold Steps Weekend. Now, Mark, today you said that God sees our praying and giving and fasting, and all of that is driving us toward creating a heart that's fully devoted to Him. Another way we can be fully devoted is by studying as much as we can about Him and His Word. And that's why this month you're recommending a book called The Quick Start Guide to the Whole Bible. When we study our Bibles, most of us are looking for more than just a history lesson. We want to know more about God. And if we're honest, more about how this book relates to us in this modern world. 
And so if you've been struggling to go deeper in your own study, I'd like to recommend a book to you. It's titled The Quick Start Guide to the Whole Bible, and it's our latest bold action gift. This handy guidebook cuts right to the heart of the matter and focuses on three questions. What does the text say? Why does it matter? And what does it mean? We'll send you a copy when you give a gift of any amount to support Bold Steps Radio. And then if God leads you, consider taking your next step by teaming up with us to become a bold partner. Your financial gifts of any amount will help bring the truth and the power of the gospel to people all over the country and even to the world. And we'd love you to partner with us. Yes, we sure would. And you can do that online at boldstepsweekend.org or by calling 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. You can also give a gift of any amount in the mail when you write to Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. That's 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And if it's easier and perhaps more convenient, just click the donate button on our website at boldstepsweekend.org. You're helping people all around the country journey on a path to freedom and authenticity in Christ. So thank you for your generous gifts and monthly partnership. And don't forget, there are a variety of ways you can connect with Mark and the team each day. From visiting our website to reaching out to us on social media, we'd love to hear from you. Just search for Bold Steps Radio on your favorite social platform and click the like or follow buttons. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us again next weekend when Mark continues this discussion on power habits that will change your life. We'll be learning how to stay hungry in our faith, even when it's hard, next weekend here on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.